0: Welcome back to Wind Down with Kev. It's been a minute, but we're back. It's been a busy year. I became a business coach with Craig Wiggins Coaching. I published a book with JM Publishing, and I became a best-selling author. Definitely didn't see that one coming. I've been running around the country, speaking, traveling, and enjoying every minute. But now it's time to get back to podcasting. This is my favorite format for sharing amazing conversations with incredible people. Welcome to season four, Behind the Red Doors. Come on in, check it out. I have incredible guests lined up just for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Wind Down with Kev, season four, episode three we are at the Palace, East Meadow, New York. We are behind the red doors, and we are so excited today to have a very, very special guest with us. This is my friend. This is my client. This is my brother, Captain Tony Canonez, one time. Captain Tony, what's going on, my brother? Hey, brother, man. I appreciate the uh, offer for being
1: here, man. I'm very excited. This is... Uh first time for me uh, doing a podcast like I like I explained to you uh, f- opening up my business last week so I'm, I'm I'm ready to go rock and roll here.
0: don't don't worry about it. Like I said a podcast is a recorded conversation. So before we get too deep in the conversation and we just talk as friends as we are, tell the people about you about who you are, what you do, But first start with your beautiful family.
1: All right, I'm married to my beautiful wife Selena. I have three great kids. My oldest is Kimberly, and then I have um, Tony, and then Anastasia. We live in Deer Park. We're from Long Island, New York. Living
0: life, loving the Lord, serving Jesus, and serving people. That's a a beautiful thing. And to your lovely wife, my apologies for not letting you know that I would have loved to have had you here in the studio audience today, but we will get you here next time because she's not only your partner in marriage, she's your partner in business as well. Amen. Yes, sir. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, let's take it. Right from the top, I wanna talk about that, but I don't wanna go there yet. Okay. I want people to know how awesome you are. Um, I always big up first responders. Yes, sir. So Captain, talk to us about your role as a first responder for the FDNY. Talk about your journey through the FDNY, uh, when you joined, what inspired you to join, and what your job is today.
1: Okay, all right. So I belong to the FDNY for 20 years now. Um, I started my career back uh, obviously 20 years ago as uh, a volunteer in the North Amityville Fire Company. That's how I started, that's how I became an EMT. Then I uh, decided to start wanting to get paid for what I do instead of just volunteering. <laughs> so then I became part of the FDNY as an EMT, went through the ranks and got my schooling for, um, to become a paramedic. And then from there I became a lieutenant. And I've na- I was a ch- lieutenant for about 12 years and now I just became a captain for about one year. So I, I'm, my station is in downtown Brooklyn, EMS Station 31 in FDNY, uh, city, uh, city of Angels.
0: Outstanding City of Angels. Shout out to EMS 31. Amen. Brooklyn and the house. That's a beautiful thing. You mentioned your start in North Amityville 20 years ago. You and I have a friend in common that we haven't talked about. Okay. John DePass. Aha, uh-huh, my man.
1: Yes, I, I know him for a long time. Yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. God yes. rest his
0: soul, a beautiful soul, a beautiful brother that also loved to serve the community yes, and, and give back. And it's wonderful when someone can start something as a volunteer, just serving, not looking to get a dime, but you're able to get paid later and you you turn that into an incredible career. So before yes. we dive into real estate, what would you say to a young person right now that maybe has aspirations to be an employee? EMT, FDNY, how does someone get started down that path? Uh, Well, now everything is civil service. So now you'd have to
1: get your name on a civil service list. Um, Everything is internet-based now. So, uh, you know, you would have to look it up through FDNY.gov and you can, through those chains, sign up for a civil service list and then, you know, come through the ranks that way.
0: Now, I'm not a young man, but many years ago, everybody in my family worked in the civil service. I used to get the paper called The Chief with all the listings. That's there. still mean, there. It's still there? It's still there. Beautiful. That's, That's old school, though. But yes, listen to sir. him. Go online and do it that way. <laughs> Don't go to 7-Eleven looking for the chief. Go online. Do it that way. Find the right way to get on that list because it's a great job because it's a job that gives you a chance to serve people at the most difficult yes. time, It's Absolutely. the most difficult time. Absolutely. So thank you for all that you do on behalf of everyone. Um, thank you. you thank know, whenever you. I see any first responders, whether it's a police officer, fire department and um, EMT like yourself, I always say thank you for your service. We never know when we're going to need you. But thank you for when something happens and everybody runs the other way. Thank you for running toward toward the action. Thank you for running toward the action. So you mentioned that you just started own Company, talk to us about candor realty which okay. is a powerful name yeah. so talk to you about uh, starting your own company
1: so uh, i've been selling real estate for about 10 years uh after that it's just recently i said uh i wanted to go out on my own as you know i'm a captain so uh i wanted to be my own boss i was tired of working for somebody else and uh it it a funny thing, Kevin, and I just made a joke about corporate this. I said, well, I, I am now corporate. Yes. So I don't have to check with anybody uh, that unless it falls within the New York State guidelines. But <laughs> other than that, I don't have to check with anybody to make any decisions, uh, except for maybe my wife.
0: That's it. Uh... <laughs> I said, Hey, I tell you like this. Uh, uh, my kids, my grandkids will tell you I'm responsible for the office in Middle Village. But when I get home <laughs> yes, to my sir. house. Yes, I just worked there. That's right. My pay grade stops at about right here. <laughs> I have a limited number of decisions that I can make. Yes. Um, one of the things I enjoy that we talked about and you posted about is your why you got into real estate. You talked about a difficult experience you had in selling your mother's house.
1: Yes. So 10 years ago, uh, my mother passed away. So with that comes anybody that knows when somebody passes away, you have a multitude of things to deal with. Um, And I know Kev could attest to that because it comes down to life insurance and insurance and legalities and who's responsible for what and uh, that type of thing. So all in all, we had to sell the house. The house that I was living in was the house that I grew up in my entire life. If anybody knows what it's like to deal with that type of trauma, it's it's horrific. So um, at the time I was dealing with an agent that wasn't, I didn't have the best experience with. I'll just leave it at that. Um, after that, that's when I decided, I said, you know what, I didn't want anybody else to go through the same experience that I went through. So I, I went and took the class, got my license. The, the house wound up selling, but I didn't want to. I wanted to make a difference for other people and difference in my community. If you if you couldn't tell already, I uh, I, I'm a man of service, right? Uh, Service to the people as much as I can.
0: That's a that's a that's a beautiful thing. Your experience was so bad. Some people in business, would you say that they look at buying or selling a house as just just a transaction and not really a service to help a family through a difficult time? Um, I would say you have multiple,
1: a couple of different characteristics of people. So you have the buyer, then you have the seller, and then you have the investor. Okay. So you have different mentalities for the for the three different types of people. So a buyer, it's it's all about about them and where they want to live and where they're going to bring up their family. What's the school district like? Stuff like that. The seller, they really uh, there's, there can be two characteristics. One, some sellers just want the best price for their home. Okay. And other sellers want. Um, they care about who moves into their house. Okay. And then the, the investor, they are just about
0: uh, the analytics of the dollar. Absolutely. Can this flip be profitable? That's it. The, the ROI, right? That's it. Return on investment. Nothing wrong with that at all. You said something that I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper. You talked about the seller being concerned with who moves into the house. Um, so that, that is, that, that's important to buyer, what they're, what they're trying to get. Um, the question I wanted to go to talk about the heartstrings that's tied. Um, I definitely can relate okay. to you and your mother. My family, um, has lived in the house that I was born and raised in still is in my family, mm-hmm. uh, transitioned a couple of generations later. What's one of the things that people think will happen, but then when they actually go through the process, they just don't know. Which one of those things that you wish you knew before you went through the process? Are we
1: talking about as, as the as seller no, or? As a
0: person, as a person, as the person who had to sell your mom's house, what was one of those things that you just said, oh my God. Okay, so uh,
1: depending on the um, the saleability of the house, meaning is it a distressed home? Is it a turnkey home? will depend on the type of buyer coming into your house. So if you're the seller and you you are emotional towards your home, um, it's going to matter to you uh, who's coming through the house. Yes. So I will tell you, so experience-wise, when I was at home and people would come through my house, when the investors come through, they don't care who's around. They will destroy what the house looks like. Okay. Because they all want you know, the best, they, they will look at a, a scratch and be like, oh, that's $10,000 off for that and tell you what a piece of junk your house is. Ooh. Meanwhile, you love this house. It doesn't, right. it doesn't matter right. what they think that, you know this is where you lived your whole life and you're calling basically my childhood and my adulthood too, a piece of junk. Right. But then you have other, um, other buyers that come through, like regular buyers that w- would love to live there So the emotional part is hearing the descriptions of what people are saying. And that's one thing when I'm bringing buyers through, uh, especially if the seller is home. One thing we talk about, I I, I prep my buyers ahead of time before we go into the property. If the seller is home, I say, listen, let's walk through the whole property. We don't say anything out of for two reasons. One, out of... um, out of um, respect that. Thank you. I didn't think of the word. out of respect for the seller because this is their home. And two, we don't want to give the seller an edge on it is it is still buyer versus seller and vice versa. So we don't want to give them an edge or an, an upper hand on basically showing your cards. Right. You know, so we don't want to do that. So we'll talk out not even in the driveway, down the street, got it. you know when when I'm dealing with the buyer and and when I'm dealing with the seller, I try to ask the seller let's let's not be home, let's not be there or if you if you need to be home, no problem, can we just step outside right just so you don't want to make the buyer feel uncomfortable so this way they can do their their process. You want the buyer to feel that it's their home right and
0: That's where it is. Yeah, if if you're listening to the passion, you can see why someone that you want to work with, because you don't want anybody to take away from something you love to point out the paint chips and correct little chip on the floor, this thing and that thing, because behind every dent and imperfection is an incredible story. Yes. And that they don't know. So immediately the emotions come up. Absolutely. And uh, emotions are bad in business. I definitely try to leave them separate. So just one of the many reasons that people want to Definitely want to work with you. So I'm gonna switch from real estate uh, real quick. Sure. And I'm gonna give people uh, another question, uh, something about you that people may or may not know. You have had some phenomenal experiences that tap into your gifts outside of real estate. Okay. Outside of FDNY. Okay. You sing, whoa, 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 Let me correct it. You. you sang, you sang like really serious. You've sung the national anthem. Yes, sir. In front of some pretty powerful people. Yes, sir. Tell me your, your favorite experience, your best experience singing the National Anthem. OK. Uh,
1: all right. So I will tell you, for the general public, it, it might not be it might not be as glitz and glamorous as most people would think. But to me, I've always called it my Super Bowl. So the the best place that I've sang the National Anthem is in my home church, to be honest. OK, with you. let's go. So, I mean, I've sang at larger venues but emotionally, spiritually, um, my, my, um, my home church, at, which is upper room Christian world center, mm-hmm. um, is I, I called it my super bowl. So when, when the pastor came to me and said, Hey, uh, we're doing a fourth of July service. Would you mind getting in your dress uniform and singing the star spangled banner for us? I thought, I thought I hit the jackpot because <laughs> you know, Singing for people you don't know, that's, that's okay. That's cool. That's great. But singing at home, that's a whole other world. That's a
0: whole other thing. So yeah. uh, I love and respect that, your passion, but give me a venue outside of the church. Shout out to Upper Room, Upper Room family, many connections <laughs> there. But give me a venue. Give the people a venue outside of the, the church. I think I've seen some sports venues. Okay. I think I've seen you. So,
1: so the, the biggest sports venue I've done, I've done... Um, think it's a MCU stadium. Is that what it's called in Coney Island? Yes. I've done uh, Coney Island. I've, I've sang uh, opening um, Star Spangled Banner for them, for the uh, MCU stadium. I've done that. I've, I've sang up in Albany uh, for the New York State EMS Memorial in front of all politicians and the governor and stuff like that. And and I also sing for the uh, FDNY, for the New York City Fire Department. So I, a lot I of different that. venues. That's uh, what I
0: noticed. So, so people, let me take a time out right here. Follow this man's page. You have both the business page and the personal page, but the video of you singing is on your personal page, which is what?
1: My personal page? Yep. For uh, It would be uh, underscore Antonio underscore Quinones. That's Q-U-I-N-O-N-E-S underscore. That's Beautiful. Right.
0: Thank you for saying that. So you are listening to him speak. Now, I know nothing about sounds and music, but you have a very even voice, probably alto or something like that. But when this brother sings, oh, it different. is the deepest, yeah. <laughs> baritone, yes, powerful, make-you-want-to-stand-up-and-salute-the-flag-twice voice that you have ever heard. Take my word for it. If you watch it, give me a comment. Hit me up or my DM.
1: I appreciate that, brother. All right, Thank but you. So yes. I, just, I
0: just want the people to know a couple of things about you outside of business. Sure, sure. So you posted something else outside of business the uh, past okay. couple of years. Um, your weight loss journey.
1: Oh, I knew and, we were going to go there. And go specifically, I'm ready for it. you
0: talked about seventy five hard. Okay. So, so let's talk yes, about sir. that because I'm scared of it. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, I would tell you, uh, you should be because it ain't easy. <laughs> you should be because uh, my wife, my wife and I, I'll tell you, she's a trooper, man. So that came at during COVID. Believe it or not, so okay. I did. I completed seventy five hard um, through through COVID. Um, so my wife and I did that. I think that was more towards the end of like, it was like 2020 into 20, into 2021. And, uh, we, we definitely completed that. There's, there's more steps. People don't realize that that's like step w- one of the program. It's called the live hard program. So so,
0: so for, for, for me and for others that are equally as scared as me, what is 75 hard?
1: So 75 hard is a, uh, I, I will tell you, they promote not as a weight loss Thing. It's more like a mindset program. So you would have to drink a gallon of water a day, read 10 pages of a book a day. Um, you have to do two workouts a day. That's that's the tough part. That's another tough part, at least for me it was. And one of the workouts have to be outdoors. And each workout, in order for it to consider a workout, it's at least 45 minutes or longer. And they can't be back to back. So you'd have to do them sep- totally separately. And um, Pages. I think them, I might be missing one or two steps, but I think that's, that's, that's that that's enough. That, I'm that, tired. That's that, that's most of it. I'm, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that was that was the big that was the big. Oh, and you have to. Oh, that's the other thing. There was two more things. You have to be on some type of diet. They don't tell you what diet, but you have to be on some type of diet and no alcohol for the whole time you're on it. Which for me, that's not a problem. That, okay, that was no issue.
0: That's a beautiful thing. The hardest thing for me is the first part. A gallon of water is a lot. I only drink water coffee, little iced tea, and occasionally wine. But drinking a gallon of water is a task. That's a yes, lot of yes. water.
1: It, it is. Uh, I will tell you, it's, it's a task, I think, not to put your thing aside, but I think it's more of a task for people that are on the road constantly, which yes. I don't know if you are, but yeah. uh, but for the office worker, you have a bathroom right there. Got it. You know, but for the people like myself that are actually on the road, mm-hmm. that's where the task is. But I, t- I tell you, the easy part to overcome, I mean, the hard part, what, however you want to say it, but uh, but which was um, I set an alarm right to drink water. Ooh. So, you know, you just set your time. And because it was the same thing for eating for me was sometimes, you know, we get busy. We're yes. big. Yes. So we got a lot of... Uh, Stuff going on, and you you could forget to eat. You could yes. forget to drink. Yes, you've got to set an alarm as so a reminder. Like, as a reminder. Oh, hey, it's time to eat. Hey, it's time to drink. Hey, you know, I, I would set ten alarms for the for the day for me, just what, to eat and drink. So, what was the bottom line of the journey? What What was the? Well, at that time, I I had lost, whew, I had lost uh, close to I think forty pounds. I, I That's lost a beautiful on phone. that, and then uh, yeah. Thank you. And then uh and then <laughs> unfortunately I gained some of it back, but now I'm on that road again, but not 75 hard, but I'm on the road again. Um but uh I have had weight was a, a huge thing for me my whole life. Okay. So um now I'm I'm back on the down again, thank God. And you look great. uh yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, man. And uh yeah, next time we do the next podcast, I'm going to be even less than <laughs> I am now. So, you know, it, you know, I think I think I got I think I got the hang of it this
0: time. We'll see how it goes. You um I saw you a couple of weeks ago, you and Tony Jr. Yes, sir. You were just dressed in yes. your blues. That's yes. the proper way to call it. You were dressed to in the my t- in my dress uniform. In yes. your dress uniform. Yes. And I caught a picture with you, but I didn't like it. After you walked away, I caught you right in front of Circe Barbershop Wine Inch Village. Yes. And I'm like, I have a silly selfie of us like this. I'm like, kind of he's walking away, he got the uniform on, you got your son, you had the backup, but it's not the jacket you have over there. It's not the No, I had a um
1: I think I had, oh no, I had a regular jacket on that day.
0: Yeah, yeah what's on the side? back of that jacket? It's, uh, there's something about your service, but it was, it was incredible. I don't, um, I don't remember what I knew I, I blew it, but I knew I wanted to have you back on here. Um, let me ask you another question. Sure. You've taken a couple of journeys up the lane, up the, up the ladder from volunteer to captain. Uh-huh. Not easy. In that journey, did you have a mentor?
1: For... Oh, for the, uh, the for the fire service, you, yes, for the EMS service. Did I have a mentor? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I would have to say, not in uh, not. I never I never was asked that before, but um, I would say not for the fire service. I, I would have to say, I think the the mentor and. Uh, it's crazy but i would have to say it would be my mother
0: beautiful let's be talk mother. about it how did your mother mentor you to do all the things you're doing today even though she's gone as a person that's also lost his mother i hear both my parents voice now and i try to be a better yeah, yeah, kid than yeah. i was when they were alive so how did your mother mentor you to become the man that you are today well my mother was uh she was a public
1: service person also she was very involved at the school my mother was a school board member for Copeg schools my mother was my mom was that mom that was always involved in school, always involved in our life. My mom was that mom that uh like everybody knew who your mom was, so you couldn't get away with nothing. <laughs> you know. Um and back in the day when we were growing up, you yes. know, you knew like uh like everybody knew everybody, right? Yes. So, you know, you got you got a whooping from the neighbor yes. and you got a whooping when you got home. Yes. You know what I mean? So so that's that's just how it went. So um, but as far as the the public service, you know, um, giving back to my community and serving people, I feel like that came from my mother. And then just to bring my dad into it for a second was, uh, I will always say my dad was the hardest working man I ever knew. Is that right? So, yeah, man. So he, uh, my dad, it, it's crazy because I could see me in him now that um, I'm trying to be like him and not be like him, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Meaning... My dad worked so hard and so many hours that I saw my dad, my dad worked two full-time jobs at two different hospitals. So, you know, occasionally the days off from both hospitals would line up and then we get a whole day with dad as opposed to half a day with dad. Like So so I've been around shift workers my whole life. So um, knowing you change the holiday, you change your birthday to accommodate dad's schedule so this way everybody can be uh, involved. But um, so my work ethic comes from my dad, and giving back to the public comes from my mom.
0: They both have to be, uh, even your mom not not being here. I don't know if your dad is here or no, not. No, he's not. No, or so but they they both are extremely proud of the man you've become. Coming up in a family like that, growing up on Long Island, people working two full time jobs is kind of common. Yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, me growing up. You grew up in Copeg, Amityville. I grew up in Ditch. Right, working Nabus. two jobs was common. Everybody yeah. had two jobs. Sure. When I moved to Chicago. And people got off work and they went to dinner with their family. I'm like, where's everybody going? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has another job. It was strange to me that people got off work and began to spend time with their family. It was a game. It was something different for me. It was very, very different. So for you to see that and for you to balance both and not only have your time in business and real estate, but also I see you with your little ones all the time. That's really, really important.
1: I'm working very hard at trying to keep that family dynamic together mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's not easy but when 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 I'm off uh, that was another reason for trying to be an entrepreneur because like uh, when I sell houses or anytime I'm doing my business, Uh, I'm able to bring my kids. I'm able to, you know, like I say, it's it's funny, but I say it's nice to be the boss. Yes, right. Yes. So you know, I can bring my kids for stuff. I mean, I'm not bringing my kids on an ambulance. You know, you know, I can't do that over there. Right. But um, but here, I can make them a part. And the whole basis, besides the family dynamic, is leaving a legacy for my children. So hopefully, doing this and bringing my three kids up in seeing what dad is doing for us now and what I can possibly leave to them when I'm not here anymore. Um, That's why I do what I do.
0: Let's talk about legacy Uh, and financial literacy as it relates to real estate and how important it is in the communities that we come from. Black communities, Hispanic communities, underserved communities where maybe this is not a dinner table conversation about the importance of working towards home ownership.
1: Absolutely. So I it's 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 great that you brought that up because I say it's not a usual conversation Mm -hmm. for us in in, in our households, which which it should be. Yes. Right. So that's so we're trying to overcome that stigma with guys like us Mm -hmm. uh, with the knowledge trying to make that a dinner table conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, it's left to us to now um, Guide our families, our children, and bringing the rest of the extended families in um, for the for the, for that conversation. So, um, I apologize. What? what That's okay. I, I, We're I just talking
0: I, about that. Just the literacy of making it normal, and then the importance of legacy. So, the importance of legacy. So, uh, grow having to deal
1: with, like I said, with the trauma of death uh, from my parents. And knowing what I had to deal with through that and then just stopping the uh, I don't know i I would say the generational gap yes. of of uh, of ignorance yes. I would say you know because nobody until it happens you don't really know what to expect so until until somebody dies you don't know you don't realize how important it is to have a will yes until something tragic happens you don't really know, you don't really know what you need until it happens, and, unless somebody taught you.
0: And, and it's, it's interesting that you say that. So you're my client, you know, I sell all types of insurance. Sure. One thing I say to people is that you may never have a car accident, you may never have a house fire.. Yep. But death is a certainty. <laughs> yes, it's, sir. It's, a, it's a certainty. So one of the things of this season of the podcast, I'm talking to all my guests about financial literacy, yes. and having hard conversations behind these red doors and talking about things that aren't normal so we can begin the process of being properly set up for the transition. That's from the insurance to the deed, to the will, to the trust, to all the things, but your heart is so obvious. Your passion, your sincerity um, is so obvious why people should get to know you and should want to work with you. Um, Talk to me about your passion projects. You mentioned some things that you're working on outside of real estate outside of uh, FDNY. You mentioned your your involvement with Homes for Heroes. Let's talk about that.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's um, not so outside of real estate, that's in- inclusive of yes, real estate. Yes, absolutely. But uh, I-, I will say that, uh, so I-, I belong to an organization called Homes for Heroes. So what that is, is uh, helping heroes, which could be anything from EMS, uh, and all kinds of first responders, so EMS, firefighters, teachers, military, um, healthcare workers, th- those peoples, th- those peoples. Listen to me, <laughs> those people. Um, showing them that they can get money back. Uh, we get, Homes for Heroes gives you money for actually working with a real estate agent like myself and and a mortgage broker uh, that is with that program. So you get money back. Uh, some money back with that program, so that's a program where I'm with and that I'm very passionate about. That uh, that also helps me deal with first responders, which, as we've been talking, that you know I am one and I know how to deal with those that community of people and uh, and shift workers in general, which is which is what I'm very good at.
0: So let me let me understand. So if someone fits within that definition of first responders, you not only included police officers firefighters, first responders such as yourself. You also said teachers, Teachers. healthcare workers, basically everyone that took care of us and got us safely through COVID.
1: Yes. Basically
0: everyone that gave us that license. So if I'm one of those people and I'm interested in participating, how can I become, how can people learn more about Home for Heroes? Are there grants that are available to them that maybe offset the cost of the amount of a down payment? Well, it, it doesn't
1: offset the, the cost of the down payment. What it would do is uh, it would give you money back at at the sale of the home. So when it it, it benefits either a seller or a buyer. Mm-hmm. So at the sale of your house, you get a percentage of money back from the sale price. Excellent. Same thing with at, for the buyer. And... Uh, and and that's how that works. So
0: every dollar matters. When, yes, you, sir. when you buy or you sell a house, every single dollar matters. So anyone listening to it, basically you describe my whole customer base. Yeah. If anyone yeah. says who's your target market, who's your customer? It's that very blue-collar, very city worker, yeah. very service oriented. So you're speaking to a broad audience. So anyone that has any questions about it, doesn't know about the Home for Heroes program, Tony is your man. Absolutely. Talk to him about it. Um, could I bring up one, one other thing for you? So if,
1: uh, if you asked me, you just talked about ideal client, right? So that's why I was bringing this up. So ideal client for me, obviously I'm a first responder. Obviously that's was one of my first, you would call client avatar, right? Client people. The other is, uh, anybody dealing with a distressed home so people don't understand what a distressed home is distressed home could be either the home itself is dilapidated and you need help, trying to figure out what to do with it or right now what's going on is anybody that's seen what's going on with the foreclosure market mm-hmm. um unfortunately due to covid now the moratorium has been lifted right so now coming within the next year or two people are going to be dealing with foreclosures and possibly having to leave their home or So what i'm helping people with is knowing their options okay so a a big thing people don't realize or don't know what their options are and there's us it it's various so it could come to either selling your home or it could come to keeping your home or um and renting it or there's multiple different options to do and just my biggest thing is again as you see, a service to people. So I care about people. So I care that I don't want people. Yeah, right. So I don't want people to to feel like that the sheriff is coming to their house today and when they get home tonight, their stuff is going to be on the front lawn. Relax. Most people still have time. Call me. Let me know what your situation is. But unless you get certain things on your door, you still have a little bit of time. And I just don't want people to have, um, have that anxiety of, what am I going to do with my family?
0: So Tony, we're behind the red doors and we're having conversations that aren't ha- had in, you know, neat public conversations. That's what this is all for. So if someone's facing a foreclosure right now, you educated me or something. I was aware of the moratorium on people that were unable to pay their rent during COVID. I didn't realize that during COVID, there was also a moratorium, which just means that they're not going to foreclose on any property. So if someone is facing that sure. right now, why don't you uh, let people know how they can get in touch with you?
1: Sure. Um, you could go right to my website, which is uh, candorrealtyny.com, uh, or um, I'll, I'll just put it out there. My cell phone number. Put it out there is five one six two It's 516-250-9004, and... Uh, I think uh, that's that's my two biggest uh, uh, ways of communication is, is to, through those two means.
0: Talk to him, also follow him everywhere. So let's come back to where we started as we move towards the close. Candor Realty. Mm-hmm. Candor Realty. Yes. Where does the name come from? What does it mean?
1: Well, my wife and I, uh, like we said, my wife is not only my uh, wife; she's my business partner as well. So uh, we were going back and forth with names and something that uh, we trying to think of something that meant something to us. So uh, then she came up with the word candor. So I was like, I'll be honest. I had to look it up. I had to look up the word. <laughs> I said, let me look it up. And I looked. I was like, hon, now my, my, my wife is a wordsmith. I'll okay. tell you she is good with that stuff. Cause as you know, she's a singer yes. as well. So she's yes. a singer, songwriter, everything as well. So she comes up with words with no problem. Um, so I looked it up and I said when I saw the definition of candor, it I feel like it expressed who I was as a person. Excellent. So um I was like no nonsense, straight to the point, you know, um you know I think that's what we need more of in this more world honest trustworthy honest, trustworthy yeah all
0: of all of those things definitely fit within the definition of candor um one of the things i hope people pick up that watch this podcast i think there's three steps to doing business with anybody sure first people have to get to know you mm-hmm. then they have to both trust and like, like you, you yes sir then do business so by all means i think we achieved a lot of that today yes definitely for them to see you as a full person husband father first responder servant in every sense of the word. Last question. Yes. What's anything else that you want people to know about you that I didn't ask?
1: I would have to say my love for uh, family and my love for being a father. And uh, that is that is one of the biggest things that I I would have to say. Once you get to know me, you'll know my love for For men in general, but especially for fathers, because being uh, my oldest, my oldest was from a previous marriage, and I will have to say that the court system is not great to single fathers. Okay. So with that being said, um, it was my mission to try and correct the narrative of how men are perceived and how fathers are perceived. So a big thing in my life is to... Promote fatherhood, good fatherhood, and what we're supposed to be to our families, to our um, children, and to our
0: communities. Tony Canonis, Candor Realty. One more time that people can find you. Let's give the Candor Realty IG address.
1: They, it would be underscore Candor, C A N D O R underscore
0: Realty underscore. Beautiful. Great job. Tony, thanks so much for coming. Thanks for having me.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for the.